Losing Weight to Gain Control. Today's episode, Love to Lose with Camille Martin. Welcome to today's episode of the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast. And this is Gwen Alexander, your host. And today we have a guest with us. We have Camille Martin. And Camille is a registered dietitian, public health writer, and former chronic dieter dedicated to helping women quit dieting, set bigger and better goals, reclaim their excitement for life, and lose weight in the process. She shows women how setting and achieving a big goal that has nothing to do with losing weight is what will help you lose it because the confident inspired person you become while working towards losing weight naturally adopts the thoughts and habits consistent with health and Camille is the author of the book love to lose love your life and watch the weight lose itself and she lives in North Carolina with her two daughters and their rescue dogs so Camille welcome to the podcast Thank you, Gwen. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate it. Yes, I'm excited about it because your message is one I think that needs to be said in the the weight loss dieting world is it's not always just about the needle on the scale, you know, the numbers right. going down. So I'm excited to to go through today's interview and see how we can help the listeners with changing their mindset also. Um, Definitely. What, what I like to start with is I ask you to tell your story to the listeners. Like, what's your the struggle that you had with weight loss? Did it start as a child, or was it something that when you became an adult it became a problem or an issue? So, can you tell the listeners yeah. your story? Sure. And no, it did not start as an adult. It definitely started as a child. Um, yeah, it's a it's a long story, which we don't have time for the whole thing here. But basically, I started um, learning how to eat emotionally as a child, probably when I was around 12 years old. I grew up in a wonderful home, but I sort of felt lonely and isolated. And um, I just started using food growing up to just make myself feel better. And so uh, as I talk about in my book, and anytime I'm talking about losing weight is that weight is only a symptom of the real issue. And that is how you eat. So if you eat emotionally, like I did, and I still sort of struggle with those tendencies, the weight's going to keep coming back, you know, and so you have to deal with changing how you eat first before you change what you eat. So I went on every diet that you could possibly think of. I'm 51 now, so I grew up in the 80s and there were all kinds of diets like Nutrisystem. I don't even know if that's still out there. <laughs> Nutrisystem, let's see. I did the deal a meal with Richard Simmons. I remember, remember that. that. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember the low fat um, snack well oh, and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I took um and actually this is the the devastating part was that I went from just dieting And it was such a struggle because to me, like most women, I would guess, um, I equated my self-worth with what I looked like on the outside. So if I wasn't looking the way that I wanted to in terms of weight, if I felt like I was gaining weight, it was just a absolute, it was just like traumatizing almost like to look at myself and not feel the way that 
looking the way I wanted to. So I would go full force into dieting. And when I kept cycling and um, overeating, dieting, losing, and then, you know, starting the whole process over again, when that wasn't working, I, I took diet pills. And actually, I was bulimic for a while for several years in college and in the years after. So I can totally relate to anyone who is, yeah, I mean, in that sense, it's not about the food, it's about your self worth, you know, on the inside, because eating and then um, vomiting is like the absolute most self destructive thing you can do. So um, after years and years of this, I finally figured out that um, changing your thoughts, changing your habits and changing most importantly, the way that you eat instead of focusing on the food so much, which, it, you know, as a dietitian, I hear people saying, okay, well, tell me what to eat. And I always say, it's not about what you're eating. It's about the way that you're eating. So I quit dieting when I was in my, uh, let's see, probably my mid twenties. I just said, I can't do this anymore. It's the self abuse and the mental torture of feeling like a failure and doing it over and over again. And I just quit. And um, you know, the, the possibility of gaining weight was actually not as bad as the misery I was experiencing by trying to get rid of it. So I said, I'll accept, you know, whatever comes my way. And if I gain weight, so be it. But the crazy thing that happened was that once I let go and, and quit putting all this pressure on myself to lose weight, um, my habits and my thoughts started changing gradually. And so over time, the weight it didn't go away automatically. It took several years, but my eating habits changed. I started eating more healthy foods and feeding my body what I felt like it was asking for. Yeah, that's basically in a nutshell my story. But if I left anything out you think would be helpful, just let me know. <laughs> no, I, I like what you said about, you know, well, part of that you're a registered dietitian and you can relate to what your, your clients are probably going through. And when they ask, what do I eat? Because I get that question too. What do I eat? It's like, well, yeah. you know, I can tell you what to eat, but you, first of all, you might not like what I tell you to eat. And right. why are you eating the way you are eating? If you don't take care of the why, right. it's, you're just going to keep doing it over and over. Because I'm sure yeah. with your clients, you, if you put a cookie in front of them and an apple and you ask them, which one is your better choice? No, nobody's going to say the cookie, right? I well, every, right. We all know what we should be eating. It's not some big mystery, but it's like, um, yeah. And on diets, it just tells you the instructions. Here's what to eat. And then when you go back, when the diet's over to doing what you were doing, that's why the weight keeps coming back. So it's not about the food, but um, yeah, you're right. It doesn't always fit. The diet doesn't fit with people's lifestyle maybe, or their food preferences, you know? So yeah, it's not about the food. <laughs> I grew up in a family where I was the overweight child and, and they would tell me things that you shouldn't be eating that. And I'm thinking, what should oh, I be yeah. eating? Nobody would actually tell me, but they're all eating that. But so why don't I eat it? Did you go through right. that also as a child? Well, um, in my family, I've never been like um, overweight to the point where it actually wasn't even probably noticeable, but there was such an extreme focus on what you look like, you know, it's um, the culture I grew up in. The women were all, they modeled all of these behaviors like not eating and associating eating too much with, you know, low self-worth or like, it was just a lot of pressure. Like you should be, um, it wasn't like you should be eating this. It was basically, that's going to, that's fattening. It was, 
it was more of an overall vibe I got that like above all you should look good you should be that includes being thin so if you deviate off of that that's bad and however you get rid of it diet pills crash dieting whatever we don't care just get rid of it yeah that was actually something I wanted to ask you about do you how do you think society has played a role even today in dictating what the per, what's considered the perfect body and I'm doing air quotes for those that are listening right right yeah you know, with social media no and all this stuff you know we have representations of a lot of bodies but it, do you think it's still the the theme of you have to get skinny type thing I mean what's your yeah think about that well, I love seeing um, more representation of women who are, you know, air quotes again, quote unquote, uh, overweight. And yeah, I think that's shifting. Like, what is overweight? I work for the CDC also and BMI, and we have all of these parameters to measure actually what qualifies as overweight, obese. And, and that's mostly for a health perspective, which is great. But what is overweight? Like some, someone might be technically overweight, but they don't look overweight. And somebody might be underweight, but they look overweight. Um, it's really arbitrary, but I do think it's getting better. However, I don't think it ever will really go away. This concept of women's self-worth being tied up in what we look like. I see it with my daughters who are 13 and 11, and they're already, you know, it's pervasive being staring at their social media all day, looking at, you know, young girls who are, oh, it's such a, it's such a complicated, complex web of stuff, like look sexy, look hot, you know, be thin, be, it's just, it's horrible, but um, we certainly got it growing up, but now I think it's just an overdrive. So there is a shift in representation, which I love, but it's not enough. How will it ever be enough to counterbalance the absolute psychotic messages that we have absorbed growing up? Yeah. Even as an adult, I have to watch the social media that I, I follow all different types of fitness people that would probably yeah. be considered skinny, skinny. But then I see the ones that are, they're not what society deems skinny, but man, they are fit. And I wish I could deadlift as much as some of them do. And I'm smaller right. physically than they are. And I'm like, I want to be like her. <laughs> the strength department, but that's what I love. That, right. But you have to be deliberate about trying to find, find, and not in filtering out when the society is like, take this pill. Or I'm assuming you you probably grew up in the '80s. I remember, uh, was it Dexatrim? And, oh um, yes, yeah. And I, I was luckily, like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I remember being. I mean, I'm I'm kind of making a joke, but it really wasn't. I remember being in a math class in high school, and like I hadn't eaten in two days. I was loaded up on Dexatrim, yeah, and I couldn't even like <laughs> I couldn't even focus, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I used to, um, and my friends were doing it too. We used to go to school with our lunch bag. We'd all throw the lunch in the trash, and we would get a Diet Coke and take our Dexatrim, and we wouldn't eat all day. And um, oh. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's extreme. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully a lot of your listeners didn't, didn't go that far overboard, but it happens, you know? And for those that don't know what Dexatrim was, or it was a diet pill back from, I guess the eighties, that's when I remember it from, because now they have vitamins. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, now there's all kind of pills too. Everything says it's natural, but you still have to watch that too in a way. Yeah. Do you think that, I know your focus is on women, but do you think even society's telling men now, 
hey, you have to look a certain way, not necessarily thin. I think men are going towards the the huge muscle thing. Well, I think, yeah, I, I really actually don't have any male clients, but I do think there's just pressure for everyone to look good, which is why going back to the Dexatrim, the whole motivation was just to be skinny. And it's like, we're overlooking this whole conversation of why, why do we want to be skinny so badly? It's like, we're, my feeling is, is, and this is what makes me so sad, is um, that there are all these women who are just spending their lives, years of their lives on a diet, trying to lose like the same five or 10 pounds. And it's like, no one's looking around going, why are we doing this? You know, like there's all this wasted potential that, you know, all these women and men could be doing something um, so productive and so um, make such a contribution to society, but we're all in this little narrow world of like, well, I'm going to lose weight first then. And, um, you know, and we're not losing it. We're, you know, we're dieting, we're dieting, we're taking pills. So this is good. We're juicing and putting green powder and everything. And it's like, let's get to the real issue, which is why are we trying to do this? And why are we so obsessed with it? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that about the, it seems like the, the industry is here's the quick, well, it's still a, trying to get a quick fix. Uh, one thing I did notice this year, it's 2021 right now. I didn't see as many, what would you call it? Like diet things in front of me on my, on my social media feeds. So I don't yeah, know if that's good. an indication that people are, are kind of tired of that or are they finally switching to the behavior modification type instead of a diet type mentality? I hope so. That, I mean, that's great. Yeah. I hope that's the case. Um, but yeah, that's why when you and I were talking earlier, like I want people to focus more on what they're capable of doing. And then if you set a bigger goal that has nothing to do with weight loss, you're going to automatically start changing your habits and your thoughts that will fall in line to the confidence that you build in doing that. So hopefully one day we won't even see dieting as a thing or even like, let's be healthy, let's you know lift weights, let's go toward this, because it's all still for the sole purpose of losing weight. Let's just start living to our fullest potential and the weight will really take care of itself. Can you tell the listeners, cause I know, like you said, you were on a diet for 25 years, but what was the <laughs> moment when you realized that I need to focus on something besides the number on the scale and focus on, you know, achieving a bigger goal? Not, I mean, I'm still, you're yes. still working on your, your weight and your wellness, but you decided to focus on something else. What was that moment for you? I'll tell you exactly when it was. I was in my apartment in Atlanta where I had um, moved after I graduated college. I had my first job um, and I lived alone, which I loved, but um, I was isolating myself in this still little narrow world of I've got to lose weight. And I think because I was living alone, it was more, um, I was more in my head about it, but I was doing crazy things again, like going to work, not eating all day, drinking Diet Dr. Pepper all day long, no water coming home, trying to work out and then, you know, eat dinner. And I was so exhausted and had no energy that I couldn't work out or, you know, I would eat three lean cuisines because I was so starving and I would, I just felt awful about myself, honestly. And so I remember the moment I was sitting on my couch and I was bawling. I was like, I cannot do this for one more minute. This is insane. I've been doing this for, since I was 12 years old. And I'm, I don't care anymore what I look like. I just can't. My mental state was so low 
that I just said, forget it. I'm not doing this anymore. If I gain weight, so be it. Because I, I just felt like I was, I was dying. I felt like, you know, my self-esteem was in the toilet because all I was focused on was what I looked like. And I couldn't make it. I couldn't make myself look the way I thought I should look. And so I just said, I'm quitting. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to diet. I'm going to eat whatever I want, whenever I want to eat it. And what happened was, is that I didn't, when I took all the pressure off of myself to try not to eat this and to force myself to eat these things, there really was no need for willpower. I just started like being in the moment and like, well, is it going to make me feel good to eat, you know, a bag of M&Ms? And I was like, no, not really. And then if I was going to force myself like where I did previously to go out and run five miles and kill myself, I just said, well, I'm going to go for a walk. And basically all the pressure that I took off of myself helped me relax and helped me to pay attention to what I was thinking and um, just quit abusing myself so much. And it was like a whole weight lifted off of me. So then I gradually started setting these different goals, like small ones that I could achieve, like running a 5K. And I started feeling better about that. And the more my goals started to change and get bigger and the more I worked toward achieving them, I built my confidence and weight was really not even in my mind anymore. I mean, it's always there still, but it drastically reduced. And um, I ended up losing weight really without trying. Um, I never lost that that obsessive feeling of I have to look perfect. I still struggle with that. But um, anyway, yeah, the weight pretty much took care of itself after about a year. And I was happier. <laughs> you're, you're, I, I want to say you're like my soul sister because I had that. Oh, yay. <laughs> I had that aha moment. I talked about that in my first book, Losing Weight to Gain Control, where I got yeah. home from work one day. I came home and I call it stuffing. I just stuffed everything, you know, like little bits of this and that. And, and then I sat down yeah. in my, my chair and I cried. I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing yeah. this? You know that yeah. you just like, I can't figure this out. I don't like where I'm at. I don't know why I'm doing this. And it's a slow process of figuring out, okay, we need to deconstruct this and see what is going on. It's not mm -hmm. just about mm -hmm. the food. And uh, yeah. I know some people aren't emotional eaters, but I think it, to some extent it is an emotional thing. It's like we were talking about getting down to your why. Why am I using yeah. food to distract yes. me or, you know, what's what's the big deal here? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, like when you were just saying, I sat down and I was just eating and eating and eating. That's clearly not, I mean, I did it too. And I still sometimes struggle with that, but that's not coming from a place of true hunger. But then you go right from that activity to shaming yourself for it. So you miss this whole middle ground of like, figure out what's going on. We're so busy shaming ourselves that, that you feel ashamed. Then you want to diet desperately, get rid of the weight, and then you fail. And then it pushes you back into those same behaviors. You know, you feel bad about yourself and it's like filling this void of like, you know, I feel awful. And for me, it was emotional eating. The worse I felt, the more resistance I felt toward myself and my body, it pushed me back into the behaviors I've trained myself to engage in. So you got to get rid of the shame first. That's, I think, the biggest thing. Yeah. Like you're not a bad person just because you ate that way or because you may no. not look the way you want to, but that that's hard. One uh, my last podcast, I think I talked to the, about that with one of my. I can't remember which person it was. They all start running together after a while, but uh, <laughs> I said that I I started valuing me 
of who I was, even before I lost a pound, I was like, you know what, if I don't like myself right now, I'm not, cause I've been through that with, uh, I lost actually years ago, 115 pounds. And I wow. remember thinking I still didn't look good enough. And when I look mm-hmm. at those pictures from back then, I'm thought, wow. Uh, well, first of all, <laughs> I had lost too much cause you know, it was kind of obsessive, but I was like, yeah. and I thought I was quote fat at that time. Mm-hmm. It, it just oh, goes yeah. to show you it's a mind thing. It's a mindset. It is. Yeah. I look at my wedding pictures from 17 years ago. I'm like, I was skinny and I was so obsessed. Like my arms look fat and I don't want to take a picture. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like we're not even in our moments, you know, like we're not present. We have to develop, you have to develop self-love. And like I just said, I think that starts with eliminating shame from the equation. Diets don't work. They really don't. You might lose weight on a diet, but in general, it comes back because you're not changing your habits. You're not changing anything. But yeah, if you get rid of the shame, you can, you're already like three quarters of the way to making real progress. Yeah. And you kind of talked about how you started listening to what your body wanted to eat. That's hard for, mm-hmm. I think, emotional eaters because that's something I still struggle with. But I'm quicker at realizing, like, if my body says, I want those M&Ms, because peanut M&Ms were my favorite. I mean, I, oh, know, yeah. I, I love M&Ms. <laughs> but it's like, okay, do you want it just because you feel like having some? Or is it because you're thinking about something? And as you're putting the M&Ms in your mouth, you don't think you're being distracted. So I've learned to tell yeah. the difference between I just want some. And no, mm-hmm. there's something I'm trying to not think about right now. Yeah. Well, and that's part of where having a bigger goal comes in to me, because if you're just sitting, not sitting around all day, but if you're in your home and you're like, I'm not going to eat those M&Ms later, I'm going to fuel my body with what it needs. I mean, that's really hard. But if you have another goal every year that you're like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm going back to school um, to get a degree or I'm training for a marathon or I'm, you know, going to write a book you're, it's easier to fuel your body the right way because you'll need energy for all of those things. Like you can't binge on M&Ms at night or drink three glasses of wine and then wake up and write a book. You know what I mean? So your habits will start to change. It's really hard to sit around and go, wow, I need to fuel my body with what it needs. That's a big leap, but um, find something over here that has nothing to do with what you look like and start slowly working toward that. And you just feel so good about yourself. What's some of your goals that you made for yourself that it wasn't particularly a way? I mean, if you don't mind sharing with the listeners. No, no, I love it. Yeah. In my book, I have a whole chapter. If you want to just completely hear me go off about my entire crazy life. But um, well, just give us one. One. I'll give you one. Okay. Um, Let's see. When I said I'm not going to diet anymore, I did set a goal for running a marathon and I did that. But one of my favorite things was that I wanted to take a nutrition class just so I could learn about how food affects my body. And so after work each night, three nights a week, I would go to downtown Atlanta at Georgia State University and take a nutrition class. And um, I just loved it. And so I kept going and taking more classes. And eventually I became a registered dietitian without even any plan to do that. So then my whole um, identity changed. It's like, well, now I'm, I'm really an expert at how this works. So um, I can use that in my own life. And it, yeah, it helps me even more transform my body to fit with this new identity I had with myself. Wow. That, that is, I mean, that was almost like a whole <laughs> life 
life yeah yeah it wasn't just you know i'm gonna go out and run a marathon which that's huge well Uh, yeah so that's probably a bad example because that took like five years of my life but um the marathon so how the marathon started was i wanted to run a 5k which is three miles and so i did that and then i increased that to um a 10k then a half marathon and then a full marathon if you had told me i would ever run a full marathon i never would have believed it but yeah, you can see how setting one goal started to just, you know, I increased it little by little until it became a really big one. And everyone's bigger goal is going to look different, but just pick something, even if it's like, I don't know, like I want to start my jewelry business and I'm going to start making a few pieces of jewelry for my friends. And it just makes me feel good, you know, um, yeah. and not this destructive focus on what you look like. One of my goals was just to get out once a month, I would tell myself I made myself go to an event or something where I had to go out and meet people because I was I'm I'm an introvert. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, that me that too. was huge for me to do that. So every that month, is huge. Yeah. <laughs> so every month I would schedule something. I would make sure I'd go. And and that's how I've gotten to know a lot of people because one of my friends said, Gwen, you seem to know a lot of people. It's like, well, just start taking the plunge and you know, now that's that's hard to be an introvert. I mean, like to really put yourself out there like that. I congratulate you. But don't you feel so much better and like more confident in yourself that you actually did something that was scary? Yeah, well, so. part of the reason that was hard for me because when I was overweight or bigger than what I am now, I, yeah. I felt like when I met new people, they were thinking, well, boy, she looks huge. It, it, it was hard oh, for me know, to go to somebody and say, hi, my name is Gwen, you know, and start talking without them thinking they're thinking the worst of me. And most people right. talk to me now like, Gwen, I, you're so awesome. I'm thinking, are you talking about the same person? You are awesome. <laughs> I know we all we're so hard on ourselves. It's terrible. Um, yeah. And it doesn't it's not helped by this relentless focus on what we look like, men and women's. Yeah. <laughs> and mostly when I look at people like at work, um, I'll somebody had a shirt on I really like because I thought I want that shirt and um, yeah. you know I just went up to her and said I need to tell you something you could tell see the look on her face like what like I really like that shirt where did you get it from <laughs> <laughs> she's like I can tell you that <laughs> yeah or like somebody's hair I notice I don't look at people like the size really it's like oh I love your hair oh, does your hair right. I love your makeup I wish I could do makeup like that I hate wearing makeup Totally. Well, and that's another thing about, I keep going back to it, but a bigger goal, when you start building your confidence, it comes through in your eyes. Like, that's what I notice about people is like, when you're talking to people, you're looking in their eyes. I don't size people up like in a negative way. um, And they're not doing that to you either. But when you find like what you're passionate about, it takes your I don't know, like, yeah, you're, you're really connecting with people on a meaningful level. And I think that's what people notice the most is how, how you're coming across is your vibration. And you can really see that in your eyes. But yeah. Yes. You, you mentioned you have two daughters, two daughters. I do. Right? Okay. Uh-huh. Do they ever say anything to you? I know you, we talked a little bit about the social media, but you know, how can a parent help their daughter, especially a mom, if you have daughters to you know, with their, their self-esteem and their view of themselves, because since you went through it, you know, yeah. there might be, how are you helping them when they see on social media where it's like, mom, I don't look like, I don't, I don't even know who the newest person is, right, to right. To, but they might say, well, mom, I'm, I'm not as small as so-and-so or so-and-so said I I'm fat or, you know, you're chubby, right. you got no. big something. No, it's, it's a problem. Um, 
I just, I talk to them every day. Of course, they hear me doing this, like being on a podcast and talking about self-esteem issues and weight and what women look like and how that's not important. But I can't prevent them from seeing all of these destructive things. Um, and, you know, it's not so much of like people calling them fat or saying you're ugly. It's that they absorb this message when they see these influencers who are, they probably have all kind of filters for one thing. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, they don't even look like that. But I just tell them that um, social media is fun for communication and catching up with people, but it's just, it turns destructive when you're when people are posting things that are not authentically who they are, and you can feel that where it's just like this, you know, the little peace signs and like, you know, look at me. Um, so I try to explain to them that this is not. It's not authentic. It's not real. And remember what's really going on behind the scenes. It's a it's a beautiful human being who is being influenced by these same destructive um, messages that we all get that they have to look perfect. So they're putting their perfect um, version of their life out there. So I really just tell them it's not real. It's all fake. Um, you know, not all of it. That's one so. of the things I've learned. I didn't even know what a filter was because I didn't get on social media until I think it was 2015. So I'm, I'm really still a meter. Uh, I was late. <laughs> so people would talk about a filter. I'm thinking, what are they talking about? The only filter I know about is what I put in my air condition. So I didn't, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know what that was or that if you do the lighting just right. And then the stance you're supposed to do one of my, oh, yeah, yeah. I used to teach piano and one of my younger students was telling me about that. And I said, what are you talking about? She's like, Miss Gwen, you have to stand this way and it makes you look oh, slimmer. Yeah. It's like, I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, I know. Well, and then you like, you get so paranoid about what you look like. If your listeners can't see this, but you see my little ring light in the yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, I've, I forgot to turn it on. But yeah, I mean, I'm paranoid. I've, I have wrinkles now. I look older than I used to, duh, because I'm in my 50s. But um, it's hard to get on a video. I make videos um, for my for my website. And it's hard to look in there and you you play it back. And you're like, is that what I look like? But so it's like it'll never really truly get out of your head, but um, I think it is harder for my kids because there's so much. All we had was like a glamour magazine, and you're looking at those pictures, but now it's everywhere. So um, yeah, when I was a kid, it was Photoshop on the magazines, and I learned yeah. about that. That you know they would take off their you know cellulite and things like that, and then you'd see the real pictures. Uh -huh. Like, well, she looks just like me. Exactly. And, uh, and yeah, and that made me feel better. That's why I like on social media now. You have all different types of people, and they're being real. Because one of them, she does. Uh, here's what with the lights and the filters and the standing the right way, and then she say, "Here's what real life looks like." And uh, I, I appreciate. I that. love that. Yeah, you know, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, that's I do too, and I think that's a good thing. That's a positive development. I don't want to sound like I'm being completely negative, but um, yeah, it's. Some people are doing it the right way. And you know what? I need to turn my daughters on to those people instead of the the teenagers, you know, with their Birkin bag and their perfect face. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing. <laughs> it's I, not I even their real face. Yeah. I did a podcast episode. It's probably like several ago where I talked about if you're a pear shape, which I am, you're just going to be a smaller pear, which I'm fine with that. You know, I'm, I have the hips. And right. The right. And, but it, it's it's toned yeah, down. Too. It's a little better. Well, if you feel good about yourself, like what you just said, like, yeah, I like this. I feel good about myself. That's really all that matters. 
Yeah, it's easy to say that, though. It's harder to let that really sink in. Do you find, though, that when you start with the better messages, like I said, now when my mind goes to that place of you shouldn't eat that or, you know, you're not doing good. But the other part of my mind says, slow down. What's going Mm -hmm. on here? It comes quick. Now, it's not like I go for three or four weeks on a binge and then my mind says, Mm -hmm. maybe we should do something about this. It seems faster now. Well, you're listening. Yeah. You're listening to what your your inner wisdom is telling you. And that sounds really touchy-feely and like woo-woo, but it's true. If you really start tuning in, you will hear your inner voice saying, huh, do I really want that? I can sit down and light into this bag of M&Ms and I love M&Ms just like you do, but I know how I'm going to feel after, you know, I just know I'm not going to feel good, but there's no pressure now. It's like, here's, you can have them if you want to, but you know. And sometimes I do have them if I feel like it, you know, it's just not. And you don't put the shame with it though now. Exactly. And it's not out of control anymore. Like where I'm doing, you know, feeding myself like with a frenzy and then I feel ashamed after. Well, tell us about your book, Love, Love to Lose. How did it come about for you to write this book? Or, you know, did somebody say, hey, you need to write a book or you just felt like I need to get my message out to everybody? No, I felt um, when I was in school becoming a dietitian um, back in 2005, I had the idea long ago that I wanted to write a book to teach. It started just to teach women how to change, how to lose weight without dieting and changing their habits and their thoughts, which I go into great detail in the book and specific strategies of how to do that. But ultimately my message became so much more, it's so much deeper than just about changing habits and losing weight. Like I started to really investigate why, why is the weight there? Emotional eating. And um, most of all, as I will always say, setting a different goal, setting a bigger goal. So yeah, I always had the idea. I've had it for, you know, 15 years ago, I I had the idea, but um, I actually just never got around to really writing it. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because it would have been a very different book 15 years ago. So now it includes all of the strategies of changing how you think, how you eat, recognizing your emotional eating patterns and how to work through those. And if you do all of these simultaneously, set a different goal, figure out why you eat the way that you do and that weight is a symptom. It's not the problem. And then changing your thoughts and habits. If you do those three at the same time, the weight will certainly for sure start to come off and you'll start to feel better and feel confident. And most of it is to understand that it's not your fault for two reasons. You trained yourself to eat emotionally. If you're an emotional eater for reasons to to get rid of pain or, you know, get rid of loneliness. So you train yourself to do it. There's no shame, but also the shame of dieting and failing over and over and over again and feeling like a failure. Um, that's just big one shame. Yeah. I don't want to say a bad word, but you know, whatever show (laughs) that's what that is. Um, so yeah, if you put all those pieces together and understand that it's not your fault that you have excess weight, you can figure it out. You're not a bad person. You're not weak or worthless or lazy. And it's not that you don't have enough willpower. So that's what the book is now. That's what it ultimately became. And I'm just so excited about it to help women stop this madness of staying locked in their houses for years on end, trying to lose the same amount of weight and go out and, you know, change the world in their own way, even if it's just in your own house, you know? Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you too, uh, 
what kind of, uh, how do you, what do you do to stay active? Right now the gyms are still kind of closed, but uh, I mean, do yeah. you, you mentioned walking and running and do you mm-hmm. do weight training or any kind of other hiking, things like that? Yeah, honestly, now I do whatever I feel like doing. So I have a treadmill in my room since my gym did close. So I, I walk on the treadmill. I use weights on the treadmill while I'm walking, which helps um, get your heart rate up. Um, I do go to a bar class. I don't know if um, if you know, like those, it's like, it's called Pure Bar, but it's like a ballet bar class where you, it's toning by using small muscle groups, which I just love. It's, it's really hard, um, but very, very satisfying and lots of results. I walk my dogs. I go for walks with my kids. I basically just do what I feel like doing each morning. And, um, you know, I dance, actually. I dance in my room when no one's looking. But that oh. is my workout. <laughs> Sometimes a, I do just turn on my, my tunes and just break it down. <laughs> yeah, that's a workout. When I watch uh, music videos and I see these dancers, I'm like, wow, that is a real workout yes. that they're doing on stage. Yeah, I couldn't do it that. It is. Well, I don't, it's not that hardcore, but it's fun. You know, it puts me in a good mood. So pretty you much do, a little bit of everything. Yeah. And you do what's fun. You enjoy it. It's not, oh, I have to do my bear class today nice. or bar class. Oh, no. I have to go walking today or, you know, things like that. Yeah. No, I have to book my bar class in advance. And so yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I do not feel like doing this, but I show up and it's, it's good. But yes, I do what I feel like doing. I make it fun. And if I don't feel like working out, I do not work out. That's called real world weight loss. Yes. And if you yeah. put pressure on yourself, like I'm such a loser, I was supposed to run, you know, five miles every day this week. Who, who wants to do that? Unless you're a, you know, ultra marathoner. Oh, I, I love that. If, if somebody yeah. does want to get your book, where, where is it available? Where can they get that? They can get it. Um, you can get it on Amazon, but it's also probably easier to go to my website to um, click on it through there. And you can just go to love to lose book dot com. Okay. And so yeah. it's on Amazon and, and I'll, and I usually put all that in the so- show notes with uh, uh, websites and uh, are you okay, on social cool. media also like Instagram? Can they follow your f- Facebook? Yes. Yes. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So I don't have my, the little handle. I'm not sure, but you could just probably it's Camille Martin RD for registered dietitian for both of them. And usually yeah. before I, you know, wrap everything up with our guests, I, can you give our guests just a little motivational word to help them along their journey? Let's see. Be nice to yourself. That sounds so like, okay, yeah, be nice to yourself. But that really is the core of it. Be nice to yourself. Give yourself a break. You're a beautiful human being and your life should be about so much more than trying to lose weight. I love that. And thank you, Camille, for being a guest. And I think this will help a lot of people. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me, Gwen. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only. The views of any guest on the podcast are their own. The host of this podcast is not a medical doctor, nurse, or health professional. You should consult with your doctor, nurse, or health professional before you begin any weight loss or maintenance or exercise programs.